Well, it's me again. <laughs> Good morning, everyone. I hope you are well. So if you still remember my sermon from January 2nd, so this is part two, okay? Probably you don't remember. It's fine. So several years ago, I worked at the Asian Pacific Development Center, APDC. It is a center that serves the immigrants community and they provide a lot of services. And one of the services is the, the behavioral health department. And since then, it has brought more awareness about mental health needs. And growing up in Indonesia and uh, serving the Chinese immigrants community for years, I know that most Asians in general see mental health as a taboo topic, you know. They don't talk about it. However, I also realize that mental health stigma not only affects all ethnicities, cultures, and nationalities, but also Christians. So the Christians also have the same stigma. And sermons on mental health are very rare. So I tried to Google, you know, sermon on mental health. It's not a lot, just that one page. <laughs> so I cannot really use it. <laughs> and prayer requests on people asking to pray for their mental health needs are very low to nothing. And it is easier for Christians to open up when they have cancer than depressions. Since I get to preach on the first day of May, which is the month of mental health awareness, so the, this whole month is mental health awareness month, I would like to dedicate my sermon to raise an awareness of those living with mental or behavioral health issues or, do, or of those walking with people who are struggling with mental health issues. So some people, they don't have mental health you know, problems, but they have to walk with the people who have the problems. Because this topic has been dear to my heart for a long time. And let us pray. Dear Father, when I prepare this sermon, um, it has been really helpful to myself and I really hope that this sermon can encourage our brothers and sisters today. And that whether or not we are struggling with mental health issues or we are walking with those who are struggling, that we can be a blessing to other people. And we know what to say and we know how to encourage others. Thank you, Father. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So I would like to read from 1 Kings 19, 1 to 4. 1 Kings 19, 1-4. Now Ahab told Zezebel everything Elijah had done and how he had killed all, all the prophets with the sword. So Zezebel sent a messenger to Elijah to say, May the gods deal with me, be it ever so severely, if by this time tomorrow I do not make your life like that of one of them. Elijah was afraid and ran for his life. When he came to Beersheba in Judah, he left his sermon there. While he himself went a day's journey into the wilderness, he came to a broom bush. 
sat down under it and prayed that he might die. I have had enough, Lord, he said, take my life. I am no better than my ancestors. So if this is your first time reading of these passages, you will scratch your head, you know, and then ask, is this for real? Did the prophet Eliza just ask for his death wish? Yes, it's for real. He asked God to take his life because he was feeling worthless in comparison to his ancestors and he had had enough. Enough is enough. And in fact, besides Elijah, there were other prophets like Jeremiah, Job, and Jonah who had also had this type of death wish. So when was the last time you said enough is enough? What were the circumstances? Tell somebody next to you. When was the last time? Probably yesterday, right? Enough is enough, right? Eliza was obviously afraid and depressed after his victory against Baal prophets. He ran away from Zezreel. Okay, I think we have the map. Located in the valley that lies between Mount Carmel and the Sea of Galilee to the southern city of Beersheba, which is about 100 miles. It is fine. If you don't know, you know, the map of Israel, it is okay. Just imagine a distance from Connection Church to Vail. It's 100 miles, okay? It was not an easy journey considering there was no highway. And then he must have walked all the way for 100 miles. I cannot even walk for one mile. <laughs> because I always have problem with my feet, you know. So one mile, I'm just like, okay, go home. So he went on another day journey after that 100 miles. And then he leaves his, his trusted servant because depressed people cannot stand company. Okay, then he asked to die. Just a little bit about Elijah that I preached from January 2nd. So he was a prophet in the time of King Ahab around 870 BC. You, know, you don't need to remember this part. So King Ahab, he served and worshipped idol Baal. And then God sent the prophet to say, hey, tell the king, you know, I'm going to punish him and the country if they don't return back to God. So God sent a drought for more than three years. And the drought would bring severe famine throughout the kingdom. And the purpose of this punishment was to bring the nation to repentance of worshiping idolatry because God withhold the rain. It just had to prove who is the real God here. So immediately after delivering the message, Eliza was directed to go outside of Ahab's territory. So we have the real problem here, okay? There was a drought in Israel and this drought also reminds me of my own drought. Perhaps it will also remind you of your own drought. So Eliza was in a drought. As a kid, you know, when I went to Sunday school, I always think that Eliza was a cool, the coolest prophet. <laughs> the reason is, you know, because the ravens brought him bread and meat. 
Okay, I'm just like, who, who did that, you know? It's Eliza. So I said to myself, this prophet must be very special prophet because God took a good care of him. But the older I get, the more experiences I have, rereading the story of the prophet, I feel very sad for him because, you know, his job was not easy. He had to speak against the king and against the people and then he had to just like do all the bad job, you know, just like be the bad man, send the drug for three years, you know. So the outcome was not good. He became the most wanted man in the country because every, everyone, especially the king, considered Elijah as the troublemaker. So he had to run, hide, as a fugitive, talking about fugitive, my favorite movie is The Fugitive. <laughs> That's the first movie that I pay with my own money when I was in eighth grade. So he left Samaria, okay? And then he had to rely on the unclean ravens to feed him. And he had to live without anybody around him for I don't know how long. You know, the drug was for three years and six months. But he moved around. So when he was looking around his surroundings, the drought reminded him of God's punishment and the spiritual drought of the Israelites. It also reminded him that the people were dying and there was no food, no water. And the queen had to kill a lot of the prophets. So this is very, very depressing. So I think a lot of us right now can grasp the ordeal that Elijah was experiencing because for the past two years, a lot of people have been living in isolation due to COVID. A lot of elderly people or people with immune compromise must be away from others. It is very lonely. Elijah had nobody around him. Even though the raven is considered a smart bird, but the ravens who, who fed Eliza couldn't talk to him. Eliza had no Netflix, you know, <laughs> to kill time or Facebook to see other face to, uh, to, to see the update from your loved one. There was no video call to allow Eliza to see face to face through the screen. Think for a moment, Eliza, loneliness. You know, no electricity, live in the cave, probably under the tree, talking with the bird. So when I was quarantined in my room for more than 10 days due to COVID-19 in 2020, I think it was already difficult enough, just 10 days. I cannot even imagine to be isolation for years, you know. During that 10 days, I talked with my cat. So there was no stability for his living situation because God asked him to move. Whenever God tell him, just like, hey, Eliza, move, you know, move to the north. You know, there's another slide for the, you know, move to the north. And then I'm going to let you rely on the widow, which is my sermon in January. So during that drought, Eliza experienced loneliness unstable living conditions and total dependency on the ravens. 
sometimes, you know, I'm just like, oh, the ravens, if I have another Grubhub, you know, app, I'll just like the raven. Or invent the raven app. So what if they forgot to deliver the food or water, you know, the food, right? He has to depend on birds, you know. And then he, he was so scared that he'll be killed by the crazy queen. And then, you know, during his isolation, he must have thought just like, I'm such a useless prophet, you know. He couldn't see the fruit from his work. Nobody believes in God anymore. I imagine if I have to preach the gospel and nobody got baptized, nobody come to church, it must be very, very depressing, right? It must be very sad if I'm preaching right now and then one or two ravens just like, quack, 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 you know? <laughs> just like, seriously? So it is stressful for a man if they don't feel that they have career, okay? And also for women right now. And so... He felt like a failure. Eliza was deeply afraid that his work was ineffective, maybe even pointless. So he was hopeless. And then he had to flee, okay? Fled into the wilderness, the place symbolic to death, loneliness, despair, and hopelessness. A place where he declared, I would be better off dead. And Eliza, I'm not a therapist, but I think he's depressed, okay? But it was temporary. There are a lot of people who have to struggle with mental health challenges on a daily basis. One out of four adults Americans suffers from mental health disorder every year. So you can do the math, okay? count how many people. I'm not saying, you know, some of you have, you know, because I have. So this is a very high number. But remember the number is only according to the people who are seeking professional help. Think how high it is because some people, they just don't go for help. I believe not all of you are in the season of drought right now. But if you are in drought, you know, the reason for your drought may be different from one another. But I would like to limit today's topic to people who are in drought because of suffering from mental health challenges or walking with loved ones afflicted by the mental health challenges. And I should admit that there were several occasions in my life that I was in a drought and felt very depressed. My first full-time ministry wasn't always wonderful. If the numbers of people whom I led to the Lord could be the measurement of success, then I can say I did a good job. But there were so many unhealthy things going on at the church that really put me down. I felt betrayed, wounded, and lost. You know, and... It was not a victim-minded mind. It's like, oh, you know, I did great. You know, it is all other people's fault. Because I used several years to just like think about it. You know, what is going on? You know. But as a pastor, leaving a church on a bad term 
It's like going through a messy divorce that results in losing the custody on all your children and losing your family because you cannot keep in touch with people, which is sad. And then my, after my resignation, just for one day, my husband got laid off. We were in financial trouble. I was no longer myself. You know, I was still lingering in my pain. Didn't have time to deal with it because I had to try to look for other jobs. And then I lost my confidence in myself and denied that I have a gift as a pastor. So I was wondering for several years, you know, doing a lot of different jobs. It was painful. And then one of my family members become alcoholic. Then death in the family, facing years of infertility problems, my stress level and grief added up. There are a lot of other things, you know, but this is not my counseling time with you guys. So I told God, enough is enough, I'm done. And the outcome of all the stressful events over the past years is that I have developed a lot of chronic stomach pain and headaches that happen every other day. And then my massage therapist is here. She knows. Okay. I did a lot of tests, x-ray, ultrasound, endoscopy. I'm, I'm still young, you know. Colonoscopy, algae tests, a lot of blood work, and everything came up negative except for the algae test because I'm allergic to pretty much every single thing on the chart except for food and rabbit. Oh, thanks God. <laughs> Not allergy to food. <laughs> Otherwise, I'll die if I'm allergic to food. Then a couple years ago, I attended the mental health first aid. I finally realized that my body has been sending me signals that I'm having serious anxiety problems. Anxiety is also considered as mental health problem. But because of my personality as an achiever and responsible person, my therapist say that, oh, Ruth, you are too high functioning to be depressed, you know. So I pretty much just suppress everything down. I still live like normal person on daily basis. Even when I got sick, you know, I have to tell people I'm sick because they cannot tell. I always look nice, you know. <laughs> I don't tell people, I have to tell them I'm sick. So, you know, I'm not like the usual depressed people that hide themselves in the house or close all the curtains like my one of my roommates before. But my body is on strike. My body refused to function well. However, I know I'm not alone. And because of my job as a pastor, over the past years, people would come to me and reveal to me their mental health situation. They told me that they have severe depression, panic attacks, anxiety problem, or PTSD, substance abuse problems. And some live in despair that was so severe that they didn't want to leave. I know someone who was so suicidal every month in 2020. And it was very difficult. And some of these people are very good Christians or even pastors. Please don't ever say to people they are suffering from mental health problems, such as depression, anxiety, or bipolar, that they don't have faith in God, because they do have faith in God. I know good pastors who are depressed. I'm depressed, you know. 
I know prayer warriors who are battling with depression and anxiety. They are all good Christians. In fact, there is a ministry called Quiet Waters Ministry that helps burn out pastors, Christian leaders, missionaries, and their families. And Pastor Joy Engelsman is the vice chair for the Quiet Waters Ministry Board. So according to the poll that we learned from the event, pastors are prone to get depressed and burn out. A high percentage of pastors leave the ministry after five years. I did that. After five years, I quit. But I come back again. So before we were in an official relationship, you know, it was a test for Kyle, who is my husband now. I, I took him to the Quiet Waters fundraising. And then he found out how difficult it is to be a pastor, but he didn't run away. So I'm just like, oh, okay, now you're in. How can we take care of those who are in the drought season and feeling down because of suffering from mental health challenges? So this is, listen carefully, this is the prescription, okay? This is the prescription from the Bible. Verse 5 to verse 9. Then he lay down under the bush and fell asleep. All at once, an angel touched him and said, get up and eat. He looked around. And there by his head was some bread baked over hot coals and a jar of water. He ate and drank and then lay, lay, out, lay down again. The angel of the Lord came back a second time and touched him and said, Get up and eat, for the journey is too much for you. So he got up and ate and drank. drank. Strengthened by that food, he traveled 40 days and 40 nights until he reached Horeb, the mountain of God. There he went into a cave and spent the night. Eat and take a nap. So you have seen God's reaction. God didn't rebuke Eliza for not having faith. He didn't say, Eliza, remember? I sent you the bird, you know. Remember? I sent you to the widow. Remember? I sent you the fire in Mount Carmel. He didn't remind Eliza everything that he did wonderful. God shot his mouth up like a clam, just like, and God tended to Eliza's needs by bringing fresh baked bread and a jar of water. God asked his angels to deliver the food and water not once but twice. God know how to use Grubhub, you know. <laughs> the raven and then the angel. Our God is full of compassion. He knew it wasn't time to preach. Elijah needed help. And then the most helpful thing to do for him at that moment was to eat and to take a rest. He didn't need an encouragement like, you can do it, Elijah, you can do it. Just do it. No, God didn't say that. Because Elijah couldn't do anything to help himself. Have you seen people who are depressed? They couldn't do anything, you know? I had that moment when I was a student. So I couldn't finish my thesis my last year of seminary. That made me realize I cannot be a professor because I cannot finish my thesis. And then at that time, there was a possibility that I didn't have a place to stay anymore and no job because international student was not allowed to work off campus. And then when you didn't have 
you know, any taking any classes, but this is, you are not allowed to work on campus as well. So I didn't see the light at the end of the tunnel. As a person who always experienced God provision and love for years and have great faith in God, that particular year was very difficult. I was so depressed. The only thing that I remember doing was crying every day for a month. I couldn't help it. The tears just came down from my eyes and then I kept telling myself, Bruce, stop, stop crying. Don't cry, write your thesis. I couldn't do it. I just cried for one month. I have a very strong will, you know, but I just couldn't, couldn't stop my tears. It just, it just happened. So remember when we have someone who is suffering from mental health challenges, that person can be very non-functional, that he or she has difficulty leaving the house, going to work, taking care of the kids, and just learn how God deal with Elijah. I know, you say, oh, this is only two meals. It's, it's easy on God's part, you know. Some people are struggling for years. And the people who have to walk with those people who are struggling, it is exhausted. You know, it's just like very exhausting for years, you know. So I understand it will be difficult for all of the people who are suffering from mental health challenges to share their needs because we still have a stigma that we are ashamed to share with others about the struggles that are related to mental health. At the same time, the healthy people don't know how to respond. They will just say, you are just too lazy, you know. But someone with bipolar shared with me once, Ruth, you just don't know what is going on with my brain. This is not something I can control. And then I don't want to understand what happened with the person's brain. I can show compassion, but some people need more than compassion, but also professional help. Okay. It is easier to show care to new mothers. We have a lot here. And someone, or oh, to care for someone who just got out of surgery. We can set up meal trains for all those people. But I never see any meal trains being set up for people who are suffering from depression, anxiety, or other mental health challenges. The reason behind it that we still don't know what to do or to help since it's a very sensitive topic. Hopefully our church will have a church, a culture of caring. You know, our church, we are trying to do our best. You know, to love and care for everyone who is in need, it's, you know, including everyone who are also struggling from mental health challenges. Remember, send your email to care at myconnections.church and say, Ruth, I have mental health problems. Send me food. I will make you my homemade food, okay? And I will sit there with you. Verse 10 to verse 13. The Lord appears to Elijah and the word of the Lord came to him. What are you doing here, Elijah? He replied, I have been very jealous for the Lord God Almighty. 
The Israelites have rejected your covenant, torn down your altars, and put your prophets to death with the sword. I'm the only one left, and now they are trying to kill me too. The Lord said, go out and stand on the mountain in the presence of the Lord, for the Lord is about to pass by. Then a great and powerful wind tore the mountains apart and shattered the rocks before the Lord. But the Lord was not in the wind. After the wind, there was an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. After the earthquake came a, came a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire came, came a gentle whisper. When Elijah heard that, he pulled his cloak over his face and went out and stood at the mouth of the cave. Then a voice said to him, what are you doing here, Elijah? So God appeared to Elijah in the, that small voice. So sometimes, you know, what we need to do is to take a break and listen to what God wants us to do. Because God will meet your need in a quiet time. Give yourself a permission to take a break. I like to take a break. I like to just lay down with my cat, you know. Just don't bother me. <laughs> you know, it's important to set aside for self-care and intentional sacred space to allow us to quiet our hearts and minds so we might hear God's voice that can help us to keep going on with our life. Because prayer is powerful and transforming because we have a God who hears and responds. Each time we struggle with our illness or weaknesses, it is an opportunity that God can work, you know, that His work will be displayed. Because when we are sick, it is not a punishment. It is a God's ordained opportunity to know God more intimately. Because our true hope for recovery and healing is found only in God. I know some people still have to struggle for years, you know. But God is the one who will keep us going. However, I'm not saying that praying and having a quiet time is enough to cure mental health challenges, okay. So if somebody has the problem, just like, just pray, no. I would also encourage you to seek professional help if you haven't done so. Follow the treatment plan that either your psychiatrist, psychologist, or therapist asks you to do. It is also necessary to seek spiritual guidance from your pastors, but please don't expect that your pastors are always available to provide one-on-one -on -one counseling because not all pastors are equipped to do that, okay? And then the last prescription, I'll just jump to verse 18 because Eliza keep complaining, you know, and then it, verse 18, yet I reserve 7,000 in Israel, all whose knees have not bowed down to Baal and whose mouths have not kissed him. This is just a reminder that Eliza, probably he was alone for three years, you know, something like that. He complained that nobody, you know, was around him. But God said there were 7,000 people who still follow me. So get the support from your community. Besides, you know, take a nap and eat your snack. But 
get the support from your community. God responded to Elijah's angst not only by giving him specific instruction about how to proceed, but also by kindly assuring Elijah that he was not alone. So God, in his generous goodness, has preserved 7,000 faithful individuals who would stand alongside Elijah as he persisted in completing his assigned task. God still offers us the healing gift of community as God reminded Elijah of the remnant of the 7,000. So we are reminded that we do not journey alone. If we have 40 people here, these 40 people will journey with you. We need the support and encouragement of the body in Christ. And then the Mental Health Foundation has verified what we already know. People with stronger connection to their families and communities, including communities of faith, are less vulnerable to mental health challenges, such as depression and anxiety. Our church's name is Connection Church. We need to connect with one another if you haven't done so. If you don't have a Bible study group, you know, find one. If you don't like any of the Bible study groups, start one. Start one that you like, okay? Recruit your own people. As Wendell Berry asserts in The Art of the Commonplace, healing is impossible in loneliness. It is the opposite of loneliness. Conviviality is healing. To be healed, we must come with all the other creatures to the feast of creation. Don't do it alone. You know. I like to watch National Geography. The animal who gets attacked is a loner. So you have to be in the group. So you'll not get attacked easily. And this last quote from Grace for the Afflicted by Matthew S. Stanford. There are no easy answers and there is no cookie cutter set of action points that will be effective in every situation. This is real life and sometimes it will seem as if you are feeling your way in the dark. The best advice is to simply let grace be your guide and remember that little things matter. If God has placed a mentally ill person in your life and you in his or hers, how will you respond? Will you, will you treat this person the way you would like to be treated if you are suffering? Would you love this person the way Christ loves you? Let us pray. Thank you, Father, for allowing me to finish my sermon and help us that we can be a church that support one another, no matter in whatever circumstances we are facing right now. Help us that everyone who entered this church know that this is a church that's full of your love. And we hope that this, this whole month, uh, when Pastor George finished the entire ser series, you know, on mental health awareness, that it is not only bringing the awareness, but also some action. Thank you, Father. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.